Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series called Dear God, where together we're learning to practice praying as Jesus taught us. Thanks for joining us. Well, hello, Cherry Hills family. It's a privilege to be with you, and I am grateful to be able to join you wherever you are, inside, outside, traveling, or at home, uh, with other people, or by yourself. We're just so glad you've been able to be part of this series with us. And today is the last message in our Dear God series. And today, we're going to talk about praying together. Now, if you haven't been with us, we have been learning uh, something very simple about prayer. And yet it's profound if we understand it. And if you're following along in the notes, that first line reminds us of what this is. Prayer is conversation with God, not a performance. Prayer is conversation with God. It's a two-way. It's having a chance to listen as well as to pour out our hearts to him. And it's not a performance, even though sometimes I can turn it into one. Maybe you can turn it into one uh, when you're praying. And uh, God wants to teach us, look, just be with me heart to heart. And so if you haven't been with us, we've been learning uh, to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. And we've been focusing primarily on the Lord's Prayer. The first week, we looked at the verses right before he gives the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And we saw that the danger of prayer is that if we're not careful, we can try to impress people or manipulate God. And then we started to see through uh, Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, we saw that he used an acrostic when he thought of the Lord's Prayer. And again, if you look on the screen here, you'll see that it basically stands with the letters for pray. P for pause, R for rejoice, A for ask, and Y for yield. And we've been learning how to pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And last week, Brian continued the idea of yield by reminding us that sometimes with unanswered prayers, if we're not careful, we can pull away from God. We can begin to doubt his goodness, and we can actually begin to wonder if he has the power to do what he says he can do through prayer. And so this week, I want to talk to you about praying together. And if you're following along in the notes, what I hope you'll see is that in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray for and with one another. Jesus teaches us to pray for and with one another. This is something that he taught his disciples. Now, you may say, where do I get that idea? Well, I don't know if you've ever thought about how the Lord's Prayer begins, but it doesn't start with my Father. It starts with our Father. In fact, all of the different pronouns in the Lord's Prayer point to the fact that it's not just meant to be something we do individualistically, but also together, corporately. I once read a poem that reminds me of this. It says this, You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say, I. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say my, nor can you pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for another. For when you ask for daily bread, you must include your brother. For others are included in each and every plea. From the beginning to the end of it, it does not once say me. And again, it doesn't mean that it's wrong to ever pray for things in our own lives, but it's interesting that Jesus is teaching us to do something together. And so as we think about this, I want to invite you to say 
aloud, to pray aloud the Lord's Prayer with me. And as you do, I want you to notice those uh, plural pronouns with me. Would you pray the Lord's Prayer with me? Follow along with the words on the screen, if you would. Let's pray it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So as we think about this praying for and with idea that Jesus wants to teach us, I know that you may start getting nervous about the fact that this is new for you. But before we talk about all that, let me just mention something to you that Jesus says about 12 chapters later in Matthew 18. I've listed those verses on the notes there in that gray box. There are two verses, Matthew 18, 19, and 20. So here, here's what it says. Would you read it with me? When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Again, in notes there, you'll see that Jesus says something unique happens when we pray with others. Something unique happens when we pray with others. Now, as we think about what it would mean to pray with others, there's a whole bunch of things to consider. And I'm sure you have questions. Whenever I've tried to teach other people how to pray aloud with other people, you can imagine that we have so many different kinds of backgrounds in our church, so many different experiences with the Lord or not growing up with the Lord being part of a family's life. And so you can imagine there's lots of questions. So let's just walk through the things to consider about praying with others. And then I want to give some practical advice that might help you for praying with others. So first of all, notice this, that praying aloud like this can evoke fear with, and a sense of inadequacy. Praying aloud like this can evoke fear and a sense of inadequacy. Um, Trish and I, in our life group, spent some time just asking people, when you think about praying together, what goes through your mind? And then several people just said, it's awkward. I'm afraid that other people know how to pray better than me. I'm afraid I'm going to stutter. What if I say the wrong words? What if I pray too long? What if I pray too short? Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things that come to our minds. Another person said, because I don't pray a lot when I'm by myself, I feel funny praying with others because it's not really something I do as often as God wants me to. So there's a lot of different things that may come to your mind. You've probably heard this before, but the greatest fear is not the fear of death. It's the fear of public speaking. So as you can imagine, public praying would be right up there in the greatest fears that human beings have. The question is, what do we do with our fears? Do we let our fears control us? Do we let our fears have the last word? Or do we face our fears and realize that maybe waiting on the other side of that fear is something powerful and good? Now notice that along with that, it can be awkward, 
feel vulnerable, and isn't prayer private? That's the next line in the notes. It can be awkward, feel vulnerable, and isn't prayer private? You're going to notice, by the way, this week that I'm using unusually large words. So thanks for your patience with me. And I'll try and speak in such a way that you get a chance to fill in the blanks if you're using the notes like that. So that, again, you can still feel part of this. Uh, one of the things that happens and one of the reasons why people don't want to pray out loud with other people is because we feel naked. We feel exposed. And that's never a comfortable feeling. Along with that, if we don't know what kind of words to say or we have no experience, it can be super awkward. But the Lord wants to teach us how to get over awkward. And he wants to teach us how, even when we feel vulnerable, that that's often the times when his Holy Spirit can work the most powerfully in and through our lives. But one of the questions comes up, even from the context of what Jesus said earlier, right before he gave the Lord's Prayer. Didn't he say, and when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. That's true. He did say that. But notice then he teaches the Lord's prayer in a plural way. So how are we to understand that? Many of you have been taught that prayer is a private thing between you and God. And certainly there are moments for us to do that personally, just alone. Jesus did with his father, but he also prayed with others. How are we to understand this private thing? Well, one of the things I want to point out is that Jesus was correcting the problem of trying to impress people. So he said, if that's your problem, then make sure you don't show off. Make sure you're always praying to your father who sees in secret rather than trying to impress people that you can see in public. And so that's really the correction because Jesus taught his disciples to pray together in groups as well as to pray when they were alone. And he wants to teach us the same thing. So when I think about one of the things that makes this difficult, I want to just be conscious of maybe what your starting point is today. So I want to put a scale up just for you to see here on the screen. And I want to ask Sorry. you, what would you do? Would you actually mark yourself somewhere between zero to five? Where would you put yourself on that scale? Would you say that you're incredibly uncomfortable? Uh, or would you say that you've gotten more comfortable? Um, from time to time, I've met people who say, I will never pray out loud in public. And all I want to ask you is, is would you be willing to at least pray about that? Would you, I hope that through this message, I can show you that this is something that God wants for you. And I want to just invite you to consider doing that. But some of you say, well, I'd be open to it, but I'm awful scared and I don't know how to get started. And I want to talk to you about that as well. But here's one more thing I thought might be helpful. What if... I invited someone in our church uh, to share with you their story. So some of you have met Jen House. She is on our staff and she has assisted Brian Wilmarth and the Benevolence team with care and groups. And many of the things that look caring that come out of our church can be traced back to Jen's participation. But Jen wants to share her story with you now. So watch this. I found her story super helpful because I know that's where some of you are. And I hope that her story can help you think about what could happen in your own life. I want to just tell you briefly, one Sunday, 
between services, knowing that that was Jen's story, I was blown away when she stood in the doorway of my office between services and said, may I pray for you? And she came over and put her hand on my shoulder and just prayed that God would help me preach one more time in the next service. And I'll never forget that. There was something powerful about that. So as we think about this, let me just tell you that along with the awkwardness and the fear and the vulnerability and all the different questions that may go through our mind, here's one of the big ideas today. If the willingness is there, if you're following along, if the willingness is there, God can help all of us grow in this. If the willingness is there, God can help all of us grow in this. Jen came to a place where she had a willingness. She was afraid and that was pretty strong fears, but God helped her. And the more she practiced, the more she was able to grow in this. Years ago, I read this quote by C.S. Lewis uh, from the Screwtape Letters. And it's just a fascinating comment about God. Here it is on the screen. He, God, wants them to learn to walk. And if only the will to walk is really there, he is pleased even with their stumbles. I love that. He knows that it's going to take a process of learning how to walk. And so it's not going to happen all at once. But he's pleased when there is a willingness to walk, when there's a willingness to pray, when there's a willingness to grow like this. I love, I listed out to the right, 2 Corinthians 8, 12. It actually uses this phrase, if the willingness is there, God is pleased with what one has and not with what one does not have. And so God is willing to work with us if the willingness is there. And I know that many of you are growing in this. So along with that, what I want you to notice is that this, why is this so important? How does God, why does God want us to do this? Notice if you're following along that it's part of how he grows us up and knits our hearts together. When we actually pray out loud together in small groups or with one other person, not only does something unique happen, but it's one of the ways that God grows us. It's a character building thing. And that's why he invites us to learn how to walk in this and to practice this. And not only does it knit our hearts together, but this is one of the ways we learn together. I've learned so much by praying with other people out loud. I learn what God's showing them. I've also found that this is a way to care for other people. This is a way to carry each other's burdens. And many of you in your life groups have experienced this kind of thing. But if you never have, God wants you to experience this. So not only that, but notice this, that praying with one another moves God's heart. Praying with one another moves God's heart. I told you that Jesus taught his disciples to pray for and with one another. And we see evidence of this in the book of Acts, which we just studied this last year. And so if you're uh, looking at the notes there, you'll see in that second gray box, these verses. Feel free to read along with me. They all joined together constantly in prayer. That's the first thing they did, by the way, after Jesus ascended. They went back together and in one room, one place, all joined together constantly in prayer. And then they raised their voices together in prayer to God. I love that. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, I've listed one other text there uh, out to the right uh, from Acts 12. And it tells us that the early church was still learning how to do this. They weren't experts. 
They didn't always know exactly what would happen or exactly how to do it. And so let me just show you the humorous thing about this. Um, it wasn't such a humorous situation where this occurred, but first James was uh, arrested and he was beheaded. Then Peter was arrested and put in jail and the plans were to also execute him. But the Bible tells us in Acts 12, 5, these words. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And it tells us that as they were praying, God was doing something. He was moved by their prayers. And again, I want to just stop and say this. Uh, you know, when Brian said last week that there are mysteries to prayer, notice that James was jailed and he was beheaded. Peter was put in jail, but notice what happened. He was actually miraculously released from prison. Why does God allow both of those things to happen? I don't know, but I know this. The church was praying earnestly to God for Peter. And notice this, what happens. After he is a miraculously, an angel helps him leave, walk past about four squadrons of soldiers. And when he gets out, he says to himself, I should go and share and find where the church is praying for me. So we pick it up again in verses 12 through 17. Notice what it says. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Now, isn't that amazing? Here they were praying earnestly, and when God answers their prayer, they're astonished. They're shocked. So it just shows us they didn't have this whole prayer thing figured out, but they were giving themselves. There was a willingness there, and God was moved by their prayers. So friends, one more thing I want to just say in this section to consider about praying with others is that a helpful way to pray together is conversational prayer. A helpful way to pray together is conversational prayer. Um, there is a testimony that I also want to share, but I want to read it to you. My father uh, learned some things about conversational prayer. Maybe you've actually spent time with him and learned these too, but this was very helpful to me. So let me read his testimony. I grew up in a church where we had a Wednesday evening prayer meeting, and my parents believed our family needed to be there. I don't think it was the kneeling on the hard floor that turned me off the most, but the people who prayed. Each one who prayed had a long list of things they prayed for, and it seemed to me that it became a contest who could think of the most things to pray for and who could pray the longest. It was agony. As for me, I never prayed out loud. It wasn't until God called me into the ministry that I finally prayed out loud with others. When Janie and I got married, we tried to pray together, but it didn't last long, largely because this old way of everyone praying their list was the only way we knew, and it truthfully bored us to tears. Do you know you can mentally do a lot of other things like wallpapering the room since you really don't have to listen while the other person prays? 
But then in the 1960s, I read a little book entitled Prayer, Conversing with God by Rosalind Rinker. It struck a chord and I began to teach people the way she described in our Wednesday evening prayer meetings. We did it with some success, but oh, how hard it was for the old timers to break the habit of praying the list. Then in the 1970s, Janie and I began to pray conversationally. Imagine that, husband and wife. Oh, what a difference it made. The secret is that each person prays for only one need or one praise or one request at a time, and then stops so the other person can add their slant or their agreement, and to listen for how the Lord might whisper. Now, now he had an opportunity when we would pause like that. He could speak. Sometimes the pauses were brief. Other times we discovered how good it could be to just be quiet and wait. But then either one of us would go on to another concern or praise, or a word of gratefulness. We would pray like this for each other and for the kids and for the needs among our church family. With the sense that Jesus was in on the conversation, I found it easier to admit where I had blown it and sometimes hear Janie praying for me or forgiving me. And there was always the concern for Jeff, Scott, and Kristen. If you were to ask us how our three turned out the way they did, or that the churches we were part of were so healthy and loving, both Janie and I would tell you that it was this way of praying together that contributed to that. There is an old saying that the family that prays together stays together, and we believe it's true. But even among committed Christians, oh, how few actually do it. We believe it describes what Jesus really meant in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, There I am in the midst of them. We also found that Satan will fight, really fight, to keep couples from praying together because he knows the power when two or three are gathered with Jesus, sharing their hearts, listening to each other and Jesus. Could it be that the good thing the shelter in place might bring about is beginning the habit of joining with Jesus and praying conversationally? You can also do this with a friend or with a small group, but... He's calling us to learn how to pray conversationally. I thought that was super good. And so as we close, I want to just talk to you about some practical advice. If there's a willingness there for you to do this, if you're saying, I don't know, I'm kind of nervous, I'm kind of scared, or even if you have already begun to to pray and you know how to pray, here are some words of practical advice. See if one of these stands out to you and is helpful. First, if you're following along, Pray out loud when you're alone or with those you know well. So here's a great place to start. Before you ever start praying out loud with others, at least first learn how to pray out loud when you're alone. This morning I went for a walk, and as I went for a walk, I just said the Lord's Prayer out loud. And as I did, I just noticed that there's just something so different when I hear my own voice talking to God. And so that's something you can do in the car or the shower or in your bedroom or when you're going somewhere. Learn how to pray out loud when you're alone because that'll help you learn how to pray more with other people. But also if you're looking for a place to start, like Jen House said, when she was able to pray with some people that she already knew pretty well, then it helped her be a little bit more comfortable that she wasn't being judged or that she wasn't a total mess up. So start that way. Two, pause 
Take a deep breath. Take your time. Gaps of silence are okay. Here's the second idea. Pause. Take a deep breath. Take your time. Gaps of silence are okay. At the very beginning of this series, Steve reminded us that sometimes we just need to slow ourselves down. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves sometimes, and it's just good to pause, remember who we're talking to, take a deep breath, take our time, and then be okay if there's a gap of silence. I've noticed that sometimes there's just something sweet about all bowing our heads or all turning to God together. The third idea is to pray one or two short sentences in a normal voice and focus on just one idea. Pray one or two short sentences in a normal voice and focus on just one idea. Sometimes one of the reasons I'm afraid is that I think I've got to pray a lot of sentences. And so I've just noticed that sometimes the most meaningful prayers can happen when all I try and do is just say one sentence to God. What are those sentences? Here's just a few ideas. God, I thank you for. What do you want to thank him for? It may be the person right next to you. It may be a situation that happened in your life. It may be for some blessing he's allowed you to experience. It may even be a hardship that you're wanting to look at differently. But God, I thank you for. Another thing we've been learning and rejoicing was God, I praise you for. What do you want to praise him for? What characteristic of God do you want to praise him for? Here's another one. God, I ask you for. And we learned again, not only to rejoice, but also to ask. And sometimes all you do is say that beginning phrase and then just fill in the blank. And when you do that, then it gives another person an opportunity to join you if you're praying out loud with someone. But notice in conversational prayer, the idea was to pray short sentences so that you can actually pray a number of times if you want to, and it gives the other person a number of opportunities to pray as well. I've noticed sometimes that my prayers may just be, help me. Oh God, I love you. Oh God, I want to surrender to you. Oh God, I'm afraid. Whatever it might be, but learning how to pray like that, if we can learn how to pray, just simple sentences from the heart, conversation with God. I will say one more thing. When you pray with other people, you probably need to just make sure your voice is loud enough for other people to feel like they can join you. I know some people have been taught that if you pray really quietly, then you're super spiritual. But again, it's not real helpful when you're praying with other people. I remember a story of a little boy that was invited to pray at dinner time one night. And as he prayed, it was so soft that finally his parents said, uh, Billy, I can't hear what you're saying. And Billy turned to them and said, well, I wasn't talking to you anyway. <laughs> and of course, obviously, Billy's point was correct. But Billy was not aware of his surroundings so that he could actually help his family join in the prayer with him. That leads to this last idea, is verbally agree with others as they pray with an amen or a yes. Verbally agree, out loud, agree uh, with others as they pray with an amen or a yes or a mm-hmm. However you want to do that, but what I've noticed is this helps you engage even more, but it also helps encourage those that are praying, and it shows that we're doing this together. Sometimes I do that more often than others, but I want to make sure that I'm regularly praying in the same direction with other people and that they know that I'm thankful to be praying alongside them. These are just some ideas and I'll just say that there's a whole bunch of other things I could say. Let me just say several things in closing. 
There was a lady in our church during this COVID crisis that actually called me and said that they had been awakened at 11.11 for several times in a row. And they kept wondering, why do I keep noticing that time? And so as they prayed about it, uh, the Lord just seemed to show them, I'm trying to get your attention. And so at 11 o'clock each day, why don't you pray for the world? And she was so moved by that that she invited a number of friends that 11 o'clock every day, she would just say, oh God, would you please work and heal our world and, and work in some ways? And so I was really thankful for that idea. And I found myself thinking about that ever since she shared it. That's one of the ways that we can pray for and with others. But also, um, I've noticed in my own life that years ago, over 30 years ago, I started inviting a handful of people to join me uh, once a week when I pray for the services. And we've just been able to pray together. We've been able to do life together. You see, praying together is one of the ways we do life together. I've, I've think about some of the things I've learned from other people by praying for other people. And I've been touched, maybe you have been too, when I look at our church and sometimes see people stop and just pray a couple sentences for other people. I once heard a pastor years ago who heard a man say that he was in an incredibly difficult situation that was very complicated and he couldn't share a lot of details. So he said to the rest of the people in the room, let's just stop and pray for this man. And they stopped and all they said was, Lord, you know what so-and-so needs. Would you please provide exactly what he needs? Amen. I love that. In closing, one of the people that's taught me a lot about praying together as a church is Jim Simbola from Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. And here's something he says. If a church sincerely calls out to God week after week, God, come and help us. Is it possible? Is it feasible that God will ignore that plea? I don't think so. He's drawn by that. His ear is always open to our cry. Our prayers are an irresistible force. I'm not all what I, that I should be. Our church isn't all that it should be. But there's something about calling on God that changes everything. So here's how I'd like to close. In the next 24 hours, would you be willing to pray out loud with one other person? Just one sentence, but would you pray for and with somebody else? You might be able to do it right there uh, where you're meeting with maybe more than one person. If you're alone, you can call a friend. You can do this with someone else, but if the willingness is there, God can help all of us grow in this. And one of my dreams as a church, uh, for our church, is that we would become a praying church, that we would seek God together, that we would praise God together, that we would worship God together, and we would learn how, each one of us, to grow in this simple practice of conversational prayer, where we pray out loud with one another. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.